So would you honor and welcome Jim Stillwell? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here tonight. It's a privilege. I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces and a lot of folks that um, I haven't met before. And uh, wow. Oh, she's gone. I told my bride was gone. I told. uh, Yeah, I'm like, man, I need to get home. I need to. That was stirring some passion in me. Sorry. Everybody good with that? Okay. You can check out your, uh, Jim, what is it called? Thank you. Um, you know, as, as Brent said, uh, I've been doing life as a missionary since we started the prayer room. And we moved to the Roseville, Sac- Sacramento region, Roseville areas where we are. We've been up there for just over a year. And we went up there with a vision to plant a church that would have a house of prayer in it. And it's taken us about eight months to realize that the Lord's actually asking us to raise the flag on a regional house of prayer because there's a group of people that really want to see that happen. Even pastors are, I'm meeting with them and they're very, very favorable. Like, yes, we are ready for this. The Sacramento region is ready to have a night and day prayer reality where people being equipped in prayer, sent to the nations. And so I feel like we're in a collision right now with what the Lord's doing. And if I said this to a group that I was speaking to earlier this morning, if you don't leave here tonight with anything else, this is my main point. Find out what Jesus is doing on the earth and do it with him. If you leave here tonight with that in your heart, I guarantee you, you'll collide with Jesus and what he's doing. If that's in your heart, find out what he's doing and do it with him. Because you have your own little niche in there of what he's doing. So that's what's happening in the Sacramento region. I thought we would get going a lot sooner. You know, I tell everybody that I have a whiteboard. I'm a big whiteboard guy where I put all my plans up there and the Lord just kind of laughs at me. He's like, you are so cute with your plans. But write them out anyway, little guy, because I really like you. And we're going to change all this around, and some of this you're going to do, and some of it you're not going to do, and it's all on my timing, and you're just going to have to wait me out a little bit. I know you hate waiting because you just want to fix things and get things going because you're a bit uh, still getting healed in that area. And I'm like, Lord, that's totally me. He's like, I know that's totally you. I know you, but I really like you. And so this is what's beginning to happen and take shape up in Sacramento. We, we do a Tuesday night prayer meeting that Pastor Brent and Suzanne came, and we started out doing that with just young adults. You're like, why would you do that? Because I just wanted a group of 20-year-olds that I could just kind of let them talk about whatever, and not, nobody was going to jump in and try to tell them the best way to do it. I'm like, 20-year-olds, let's get together, worship Jesus, pray, prophesy over each other, and see where this takes us. And then along the way, I found out that young adults don't have a lot of money. <laughs> Sorry. Just keeping it real up here. God has a lot of money. He just hasn't told the young adults that they're connected to all that yet. Anyway, so. Slowly, over the last year and a couple months, we've been there since March of last year. The Lord has directed us to open our doors to a wider age group on Tuesday nights and also have a church reality called Pursuit Church. You'll see that when you go to our web, my website. And my website, I've just never done that before, but I'll explain that why in just a moment, a little prophetic thing. It's kind of fun. 
before I left here. And then um, we are pursuing a regional house of prayer reality with other leaders in the body. And this is where the different cultures and nations are connecting to us, as Pastor Brent just spoke about. I'm not a nations guy. I've sent people to the nations out of the house of prayer as a pastor. I supported missions. I support missions now. I support missionaries now. I believe in that. I've just never been the guy who wants to go to the nations. I've been to the nations. I've just never been the guy who's like, yeah, I just can't wait to go to the nations. And, and yet the Lord's like, okay, be that guy. But I'm going to connect you to the nations. And I'm learning the Sacramento region has all the nations in it. Last month I was invited, or in May I was invited to uh, the uh, National Day of Prayer event with the Ukrainian church. I was with 400 Ukrainians that know how to get going when it's time to pray. They had me, I don't even, Anglo guy, non-Ukrainian guy, I'll just say it that way, non-Ukrainian guy lead a segment of prayer in the midst of all these bros that are all Slavic, Ukrainian, and I get up on the platform and start praying, and it looks like, my gosh, it's like fire all over the place. I'm like, okay, let's pray, and immediately, hands in the air, and it's like a roar in the room. I'm like, man, i got to get to more of these prayer meetings. I've been connecting with a Ukrainian pastor who's been doing Friday night prayer meetings with his worship team, and much like we do in the house of prayer, and we're connecting as friends, and, and that's just fun to do. If you ever just get with other cultures and begin to have conversations and all these issues in your heart pop up like, wow, this culture is totally different the way they talk and the way we receive each other. But it doesn't matter because we're growing in love for each other. Every other week I'm connecting with a Persian church, Iranians. I go down to their house church and I lead worship with them. And most of the time it's all in Farsi. I just shake my head all the time like this. And then they, they interpret some in English and I'm like, you guys don't need to interpret for me. I'm with you. I know when you're hitting Holy Ghost in Farsi. I'm like... Right, And I'm learning things about that culture that I never knew before. And then there's uh, the Armenians that I'm connecting with. You know, the Armenians is where God hid Noah's Ark in Armenia. Jeremiah 51, somewhere in there. If you look in your Bible, it doesn't say Armenia, but it's, it's right in there. That's where God hid the Ark, down deep. Nobody's finding it. But that's where it is. It's somewhere the Ark of God, uh, the Noah's Ark is in these mountains right outside of Turkey in Armenia. God talks about the Armenian people as being those who will raise up a banner of praise at the end of the age against a Babylonian spirit called the spirit of the age. The Lord's like, I'm talking about Armenia. I'm like, what are you doing with Armenia right now? And the pastor's like, yes, I'm taking you to Armenia. You know, they just went through a bloodless revolution. I was at the National Day of Prayer, and the Ukrainians bring that up. Let's pray for Armenia. There's a revolution right now on the streets, and it's bloodless. It was amazing, orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not a nation's guy, but the Lord's going, yeah, you are. You're a nation's guy. Move you to Sacramento so you can be a nation's guy. Of course, if you follow the news, there's a lot of bad press that Sacramento gets and just race relations and things that have been going on up there. And so what we're planning on doing to connect the house of prayer to it a little bit is, and what we believe is coming, is we want to just start having a prayer meeting once a month called United Prayer for Sacramento, where we invite the body of Christ in the Sacramento region to pray, come together once a month. We'll have a, a prayer meeting, worship and a prayer meeting for about an hour with one theme, one request of Jesus. Pour out your spirit over Sacramento. It's all we ask. We get that, everything comes into line. 
we get the Spirit of God poured out on people, justice is released. Marriages are restored. When His people cry out to Him, our voice matters to God. And so we're going to head that direction, and I think over time people are going to begin to say, why are you only doing this once a month, and why are you only doing it for an hour? Can we bump it up to two? Can we bump it up to three? I'm like, yeah, you like this, don't you? Yes, we can. So we're going to pray, and I'll take time to teach and talk about some of the Bible verses that talk about the reality of night and day prayer in a city, because that's part of my resume here with you 12 years ago, with Pastor Brent, and we started to talk and dream about a house of prayer, and I'm so grateful for Pastor Brent and Suzanne because he just kind of put his thumb in my back, as he has with some of you, and said, just go for it. I was pastoring. I was a pastor full-time. I fired myself as a pastor of Assembly of God Church in Martinez and started doing this full-time. I'm like, I'm in all the way. I'm in with you, Jesus, on this. It wasn't always easy. It's probably the hardest thing I ever did. And some days I'm in Sacramento, and I'm going, what have I signed up for again? I know what this is like, Lord. Even when it's fun, even when it's Jesus, even when there's grace upon it, there's difficult times, isn't there? Yeah, come on. There's just, sometimes it's just rigorous, even when we're doing things in the will of God with his grace upon us. Even when he's opening doors, because he's working something in you and I that's lasting, that's eternal. Sometimes we'll see the fruit here, but it's lasting. And he's like, I really love that your heart is set toward me. And so I developed this website. It took me a whole year to do that. I'm just not that guy. I don't know how to do Facebook. Uh, yeah, if you ever go on Facebook, say, hey, Jim, what are you doing? Don't feel bad if I never respond to you. I'm just I'm terrible at it. You know, I just don't do good at it. I'm like, I'm, my son's like, you got to make a website, Dad. And I'm like, I don't know how to make a website. So I got one of these mid-20-year-old guys around me who's really talented. Because my age, guys, we don't know how to develop websites. I barely turned the thing on. I asked my kids how to work my phone, how to turn the remote of the TV on. They're like, Dad, I'm not telling you anymore. <laughs> That's the new conversation around the Stillwell family table. You guys are always asking us how to do the remote from the Apple TV to the TV remote to this. We're not telling you anymore. <laughs> I'm terrible at this stuff. But I get around these young guys, and, I'm like, and they're like, I'll make a website for you, Jim. And so I'm like, wow, I really like this website. So everybody needs to go on and look at this website. Just... Help me. Makes me feel good. You can do it right now if you want to on your phone. You're going to be on your phone tonight. Text it. Well, no, don't do that. So we made this website because a year ago, as the Lord was getting us ready to move uh, to Sacramento, you got to know this. Those of you that know me and those of you that have no idea who I am, uh, I was never leaving the Bay Area. It was never in my plan. Never. Never. I, I like locking in and building, even when it's messy and rigorous and hard. And I just think Jesus likes that stuff. And so I was locked in. And the Lord began to speak to us as a family for about a year. And you know what he started to do out of the words of my dear, beautiful babe wife? Babe. Who says babe? Okay, babe. She walks in the door one, way, one day after walking. She says, I don't normally do this with you, honey, but are you afraid to call up into the Sacramento region and find out what the Lord's doing? And this is what I normally tell her when she hits me with things like that. When she hits me with, I was out talking, walking and talking to the Lord, and I feel like I'm supposed to bring this up to you. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I always tell her this. You remember the old 
pictures, old revival pictures of women that had long dresses and they had long hair, but they'd put their hair in a bun and preach. If you ever just look at old revival pictures of women that were used mightily of God in the old days, they put a bun, their hair in a bun. And I always tell Les, they go, you're wearing the bun. I call it, I call it the prophetic bun. She hates when I say that. Just stop that. Sure enough, she was right. And I'm like, I'm totally freaked out. I'm totally afraid. I'm afraid in 10 different ways that I don't even know. I don't even know if I know the first way I'm afraid, but I'm, I'm afraid 10 ways and I don't know what one of them is. But along the way, the Lord just began to confirm it. You know, Brent and I sat together and th- that was ver- very affirming because Brent's, he told me straight, straight out, he goes, if you would have come to me six months ago, eight months ago, I would have waved you off on this. Like, no. But he sat there and just said, wow, this sounds like the Lord. I mean, I wasn't budging. I wasn't leaving. But I had this dream. And I don't, I don't dream very much. But when I do, I'm like, whoa, that's a dream from the Lord. And I was dreaming that I was in an ocean. And I was freaked out in the ocean. And this big beast of a fish comes under me, whale. And all I know is it's just this dark, looming creature under me, and I'm freaked out. And in the dream, the Lord says, he says, if you just wait for a moment, I'm going to give you the answer. And I'm like, there's this creature under me that might eat me, maybe. I don't know whaleology, so I'm not sure if they eat us or not. (laughs) The next thing I know, this whale comes to the surface, and I'm riding the spout. (laughs) End of dream. So because I'm pretty dense with dreams, I'm like, oh, wow, crazy dream. I think I mentioned it to Anna. I don't know if you remember that, Anna, but Sarah. <laughs> so I have this dream, and it's a, me with the whale. And I felt like the interpretation to my heart was that for many years doing this house of prayer in this very room, Thousands of hours, probably, sitting in one of these chairs, staring at that wall going, what am I doing here? Today I'm talking to you, Jesus, and, you know, the whole story. I knew what I was doing here, but I'm just saying, sometimes you're like, wow, what, what, yeah, what's this for? He says, because you've gone to the depths, and I'm not saying I've been very deep with God, but because I've set my heart to go to the depths, I want to know him like you do. He goes, just like whales go to the depths of the sea. I'm bringing you to the surface so that you have something to say. Whales go deep. Just like we're called to go deep in God in our friendship with him. And that looks a little different for everybody. Certainly doesn't look, you know, a lot of times we look at each other and go, wow, they're so deep. I could never do that. Well, don't compare yourself to them on that. Just go after Jesus. Don't worry about it. But then you come up to the surface because, like, I want to take you deep because I want to bring you up to the surface because I've got people that need to hear about the depths of God, of who I am. Friendship. It's just about friendship. And it requires people to go deep. And so throughout the year, I've been fighting this back and forth. My son's like, get on Instagram, make these videos. We need to do podcasts. We need to do videos. I'm like, I don't understand how to do that. If I do a podcast, that means I've got to commit to it every week. I can't even commit to writing every week. He goes, we're going to do it. But start with this website. Anyway. That's the website story. 
That's the whale story. That's the transition story kind of in a nutshell. I've had a lot of confirmation over the last year. You know, it always helps when you have somebody read your mail that doesn't even know you. That happened a few months ago to the point where I just start blubbering. You ever been in one of those meetings where you're like, okay, they're going to prophesy over me. I am not going to cry or blubber. Well, it didn't work. You know, she, this gal just gets down on her knees, and it didn't, it, it helped because she also had a British accent, so I was just done. Anybody that talks to you about Jesus with British accent, over, you know? But she's down there reading my mail, and she goes, you like things really ordered. You probably eat the same thing every day. I totally eat the same thing for breakfast every day. And then I'm like, I'm cool with that, because you can guess that about people, whatever. But then, sorry, I'm, I really honor it. And then she goes, and this last year has been so difficult for you. No, I'm not going to cry. No. I'm there with these other leaders from Sacramento, you know. They don't even know me, really. They're kind of knowing me. And I just get my mail read, and I'm like, you know, hey, you start, you know, like that, right? (laughs) Trying to hold back the tears and everything. But that was so confirming. The Lord's like, I know where you are. He knows just where you're at. It happened again to me this morning in the hotel room over here telling the Lord, I don't know about all this, Jesus. I'm I'm a little freaked out still. I'm afraid. I don't know if you can do this or that. This is is big. It's big. It's bigger than me. I I don't know if I got all that it takes. You got to affirm. You got to throw me some affirmations somewhere. Fifteen minutes later, I get this email from a guy who's in the process of editing a small booklet that I'm putting together. And he just starts calling me out on it, reading my mail that this message has to get out. And I'm like, Father, in 15 minutes, you give me the affirmation and the confirmation. Because I was just real and authentic with him. I went, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm not sure about this. He's so kind that way, isn't he? So kind. Well, Brent, thank you for having me tonight. So good to be with you guys. Um, Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for the favor that's upon this house. Thank you for the favor that's on my life. Thank you for your holy heart toward us. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We love your presence. But Lord, even if your presence wasn't felt, which would never happen, we love you. We love you. We love you. But thank you how you make your presence known to us. We say that when we don't feel you, we love you. We're so grateful. Release a spirit of glory on our hearts and our minds tonight. Draw us closer to this Beautiful God-man, Jesus. Amen.
Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to be jumping around a few places tonight. You don't have to stay with me. Sometimes it's just nice to sit and not pay attention to all the addresses. When I go different places to speak, I always try to listen to the messages about a month before that have been happening. So I've been listening to Brent a couple times. I listened last week to Todd and I go on the website, and I look at what the blogs are saying. I go on YouTube. I was watching YouTubes of some of you from your school in here. I just, I don't want to just come in because I don't always know. You know, some people are like, I've got the word of the Lord. I don't always know until I get a little pulse about what has been going on in a place, you know. And I'm not saying that even tonight that I've got the pulse, but I feel a little more prepared and supportive. I want to come in and support what is already happening and probably give you a different angle, maybe a different viewpoint on something, but to come in and support what God's already doing here in this house and what he's been doing for years. You know, we don't really ever step into something brand new. He's always working something in us over time, isn't he? Right? We don't always just go, I'm in a new room. (laughs) No, he he leads you through the whole house, and he goes, now that you're going to spend some time in this room, you're going to go down to that room later on, but just hang on for a minute. You're going to spend some time in this room. But you got your eye on that hallway in that room. He's like, yeah, you're going to get there. Smell the hallway, check out the color of the room down there. You're going to be there. So we never really go into anything really new in a sense. And I know the scripture says, I will do a new thing. But I'm saying that to you to know that God is working in us in a process, in a journey. He loves that. And so I, I listened to Brent, a few of his messages on being God's dwelling. I'm going to hit on that tonight because I just like talking about that. He talked a little bit about the gifts God's grace gifts given to the church. I might hit a little bit on that tonight. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of launching from that place. That's why I had you go to Matthew 16. But I believe that we, all of us, are in a transition. And I know that's easy to say, but here's why I'm saying it. You're always going to be in a transition. <laughs> you know, a lot of times it sounds like spiritual. You're in a transition. I've had people tell me that for 20 years. I'm always in a transition. Maybe not geographically, but in my heart, in my mindsets, what he's doing in me, we're all in transition. That's why it's so important to have family around us, right? The transition that we're in, again, I'm not speaking as one who really knows. There's a lot of men and women who can say it better than I can and have written some books about it and do articles and things like that, but I pay attention. I mean, I think if any of us are paying attention just a little bit, In your own life, to what God's doing, you'd say, there's a transition happening in the body of Christ, certainly in the earth. And yet, transitions with God are sometimes chaotic, aren't they? Or they feel chaotic. It's kind of like a remodel in your house. Anybody ever remodeled their home? Whenever you're doing a remodel in your house, it's kind of like, it's transition. A room is torn up. Can't find your slippers. Can't find your kitchen plates. You walk into the room and go, where did I put the kitchen plates? Oh, they're in the bathroom. Because everything's in disarray. It's organized chaos. It's Holy Ghost chaotic mess. And if we're honest, we're not always really agreeable with that. But he's like, that's how I do things. And I'm transitioning the earth. I'm transitioning the earth So that the church will have her finest hour. The church will be most glorious in the earth. 
It's like hearing the stories tonight about this girl's hand that she's like, doesn't even have a hand and she feels it. Oh, he's like, I could do that right now. We all know that. I don't know all the whys he doesn't. I'm like, then just do it, Jesus. Give her the whole hand, five fingers, the whole thing. Just do it now. He's like, I'm transitioning. I'm transitioning. And sometimes it feels chaotic. Out of sorts. Hard to wait. Whether it's our personal lives or something corporately. There's been many different expressions over the years that people have used to to grab hold of this transition. One of them is God's going to change the expression and understanding of Christianity in one generation. That means the way that people understand Jesus is changing. And the way that we express Jesus to each other as the church and to the world is changing. In one generation, we're on the fast track, but he's still giving us time in a sense. So I want to say some similar things tonight. A title of this message, you know, I'm never good with titles, so here we go. You get to pick one. I'll give you one. The greatness of the gospel, number one. You do what you want on that. I'm not voting on it, but you can say yeah or whatever. Or God's plan for maximum impact. That sounds a little bit more, yeah, you know. I'm leaning toward the greatness of the gospel. But you can take God's plan for maximum impact, you know. We are in the age of Avengers, superheroes, so do what you want on that, you know. Matthew 16, let me get there. It's cooling off in here. Yeah? Lord, send some Holy Spirit ice cubes. Matthew 16, verse 13, Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he said, who do, you, who do men say that I am? They said, some say John the Baptist, Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he goes, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hasn't shown you this. My father who's in heaven. And this I say to you, that you are Peter, and on, the, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. You and I are called to change history. I've, uh, I've been looking a lot at different Bible verses and hearing different preachers talk about it, and some people really emphasize the ecclesia, and I really love that. And then I'm like, Lord, tell me about the ecclesia. And he goes, then go to the book of Ephesians, because that's where ecclesiology is really found. The whole, it's all just right in there. And Pastor Brent preached on it a few weeks ago, Ephesians 3.20. I'm going to hit that tonight. Ephesians 3.20 is a beautiful verse about you and I. Being the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, which is Jesus So anytime Jesus is building his church for maximum impact or we think of the greatness of the gospel, go to Jesus and find out how he lived. 
That's where we start. How did you do it, Jesus? How did you walk this thing out? Because I want to be involved with changing history. I'm totally freaked out, but if you say I'm in, I'm in. He's like, that's what I've called you to do. That's what I've called my church on the earth to do and to be, to change history. I believe in this passage that I just read to you. Jesus is aiming for maximum impact. You say, why do you say that? Because Jesus took a 30-mile journey to this place called Caesarea Philippi. He was in Tyre and Sidon or something like that. You can look this up and... And say, you were totally wrong where he came from, Jim. Email me. Go to my website. Email me. And say, you were totally wrong. It's fine. Jesus takes his guys. 30-mile journey. That's about two days on foot back then. To go to Caesarea Philippi. And where he was standing at that point, some of you may know this, he says to them, who, do, who does everybody say that I am? And he basically marched them, we know it, to the gates of hell. That's what it was called. Because it was the most immoral, filled place that Jesus could take millennials. He didn't take 40 and 50 and 60-year-olds with him to that place. He took 20-year-olds. He took his boys, the disciples. They weren't much more than 25 years old probably. He says, hey, boys, we're going on a field trip to the gates of hell. Because I'm going to ask you a question. So he takes them 30 miles out of the way. Stands in front of him. Behind him, all kind of immoralities going on, probably. It's where they worship Caesar, the god of Pan, they called it. Immorality, prostitution. It was nasty. It wasn't less back then than it is today. It was nasty then, too. Jesus says, hey, eyes on me. <laughs> Who's everybody saying that I am? And Peter says, you're the son Living God, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. You're the anointed one, the Messiah. And they knew what that meant. That meant he was going to the cross. And then Peter begins to affirm, I mean, Jesus begins to affirm Peter. He goes, yep. And I'm going to give you guys the keys of the kingdom because I'm going after maximum impact. A couple words for that whole little passage I will build my church is I will build or oikos, not the yogurt. I will build my house. And I will build a ecclesia that is actually a governmental reality. Some of the history with that, the reason they understood that is because, and some of you may know this, when Jesus called it that, that ecclesia, it was known in Roman times as a ruling government. It's where everybody would go and vote on things. They would deliberate. And so Jesus put this into their mind. I'm going to build an ecclesia that's going to go out and actually impact the world. You will have authority. You have the keys of the kingdom. You will pray for people that don't have a hand, and I will begin to do things. You will lay hands on people, and they will feel the presence of God. And I believe they were already seeing some of that. If you read Matthew 4, at the end of Matthew 4... They're already in revival. They're seeing all kinds of healings, demons cast out, sicknesses. You read it. And then Jesus sits them down and he goes, I'm going to show you how to sustain this lifestyle of power. I'll give you power. This is my plan for maximum impact. I'm going to loosen on the church because I love people. 
and I want them pulled out of hell. I want their lives brought out of injustice, and I'm going to release my power on you to do these things, the works of justice, the, 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 the blind see, the lame walk. The demonized are set free. He says, but I want to show you how to actually have maximum impact so your heart is sustained in this long term. How you sustain a lifestyle like this. So I believe Jesus had a few things in his heart when he began to invite them into this place of maximum impact. Influencing their culture. Making disciples in the culture, in the city, and in the nations. That's what we're called to do. Matthew Matthew 16 is the preamble to Matthew 28. Go into all the nations and make disciples. It's the preamble. I'm giving you authority because you're going to go disciple cities and nations. And I believe that even has longer, that's a long-term process. That's, that's beyond the, the natural age that we're living in here. I believe the nations are going to be discipled for years even after Jesus returns. The Bible is full of him saying, come up to the mountain of the Lord where I will teach you. There's going to be discipling going on for a thousand years during the millennium when Jesus is on the earth. We get to be a part of that. Like our job doesn't end because I turn 90, 105 years old and, and I don't see the return of the Lord. I'm like, well, I'm kind of just glad I did a few things. He's like, your life has continuity, Jim. I'm going to use you to disciple the nations after I return. Our life has continuity. That's why our choices matter today. And he's wanting to grip our hearts with this. He's like, of course I'm going to lose power upon you. I'm going to do everything in my power and grace to bring you into agreement so you know you can be the one to lay the hands on that person and watch their leg grow, their arm grow, cancer go. Folks, we haven't seen anything yet. I remember when we'd be in this room praying for cancer to end in this city. I, I could just see where people would be lined up in churches all over the region where the prayer lines would never stop. Be like miracles on demand. Imagine that. Let's get our minds locked in on that. Miracles on demand. I mean, imagine what that's like. I don't know if I can pray for another person and watch cancer leave. I got to go eat. Hurry, get in here and do it. Can you imagine that? I mean, we, knowing me, I, I'd probably be that guy. Like, I just don't know if I can keep praying for this person. I, everybody I pray for, cancer's leaving, but I'm really hungry. I need some Starbucks. Can you take over? <laughs> that's where we're going. That's where we're going. It's not a question. It's like, I wonder if God's going to do it. It's where we're going, and it's already beginning to happen. I don't want to lessen what we have to us tonight. But it's going up way higher to another level. That's why we're in transition. Who is he doing this with? You know the answer. You, us. You know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm sorry, I said chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 2, let's go there real quick, if you want to, or I'll just read it to you. Ephesians 2, and then I'm going to jump over to Matthew 5. I want to inspire you tonight a little bit and give you vision to actually say, let's do it, Lord. Let, give me. Here's the question, I'm going to give you my conclusion tonight. You can be thinking about it. How far can God's love and grace take us? So I've already given you, I don't even have to keep preaching. We could have an altar call right now, but I'm going to set you up. How far can the love and grace of Jesus take you? Ephesians 2, verse 20. I'm going to back up to 19. Pastor Brent shared this a few weeks ago on grace 
grace gifts given to the church. Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. That's all right. Stop. Anybody feel lonely and out of the loop? You're not. In the word of God, awesome. Jim, I feel lonely, Lord. You are no longer a stranger or foreigner. Oh, okay. Well, why don't I believe that, Jesus? Well, we're going to work on that, but I'm just telling you you're not, and we're going to work on some other stuff. It's like Brent said, he gets us believing it, and then he takes us the distance. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone, and whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Wow. I've read that so many times, but it feels so clean to me. I was reading it earlier today. I'm like, that is such a clean word. How do we, how do we prepare for maximum impact? He says, look at me. Look at Jesus. I am a big believer in tools and books that people write and provide. But sometimes I know myself, I can so easily run to them to find comfort instead of going to him, the chief cornerstone. It's like, okay, I, don't, I, oh, I, got, I know I must have a book on this. <laughs> I, got, I know I can find a teaching on this, and that's so valuable. That's what we're doing tonight. But all that is to spur us on to get with him. How did you live, Jesus? How did you live? I love Brent. I love his heart, his tenderness. My kids adore Brent and Suzanne. Well, they, they talk about them. They're like, I feel like Brent could bring me the worst news ever, my youngest son says, and it would be awesome. <laughs> I'm going to say it this way. I don't know if Brent appreciates it, but it just, Spencer just coined. He goes, I feel like I could be standing next to Brent and be completely on fire And Brent would go, Spencer, you're on fire. And I'd be totally at ease because he carries the peace. That's a junior high. He's been around Brent since he was an elementary school, junior high, high school, punky high school kid, college student. But that's what he knows about Brent. It's a substance of Jesus. And you have the same thing. But when I hear that, I go, okay, I got to go get Brent to rub up on me or something, you know? (laughs) Sometimes that works. I don't know. I don't have a lot of theology on that, but it probably works. And the Lord's like, it's just Jesus. Just come to me. Just come to me. He's doing it with us. Matthew 5. Let's go over there. I'm giving you quite a few addresses. Matthew 5, verse 13 and 14. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing, thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. I'm going to jump down to verse 18. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot, one tittle will by no means pass from the law until it's fulfilled. Verse 19. 
Jesus wasn't talking about only the, the law, all 600 commandments that we will never fulfill. <laughs> Can you imagine that, trying to do that? Talking about the law that's written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, but whoever breaks one of these and teaches men to do so will be called least. But whoever does them, he is called great, great, great in the kingdom of heaven. Every one of us was made to be great for greatness. You can't repent of it. You will never be able to repent for wanting to be great. What the Lord wants us to do is recognize areas that we're trying to be great that aren't lined up with him. And sometimes those things are muddied with our soul and our emotions. I'll admit it. I've got it in my heart. I see it in my emotions. Lord, why are you going after that? Why do you have so much ambition over that? I'm beginning to see that I'm really liked and enjoyed, and that's a message I believe forever. But, you know, sometimes that message just takes a while to get in, doesn't it? That's why I love when I come here. It's always like, here you go, main and plain, how he feels and thinks about you. He's doing it with us. I am so glad that Jesus does things in my life according to love and not deserve. <laughs> right? Many times we get into places due to our own mistakes, mishaps, and our pursuit and our life in God actually weakens or diminishes our prayer life going to God, worship, reading the word, sometimes because of our own mistakes and our own mishaps, our life in God diminishes. Because often we think that we get what we deserve from God. Here, I'm going to say it a different way. Well, I'm the cause of this, therefore this is what I get. We function like that. Well, I, did my, I made the boo-boo in the checkbook Therefore, I'm, I, I deserve this. I spent too much money. I deserve this. I was uh, not kind to this person. I deserve this. I didn't show up on time. I deserve this. And we're dealing with God as though he gives us what we deserve. Folks, he gives us what we don't deserve. That's mercy. Mercy is getting what we do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. I'm so glad that he says, I want to impact the earth, little guy, with you. That I don't deal with you out of what you deserve. This is Romans 8.28 and 2 Corinthians 5.17. Romans 8.28, all things work together. That's, that's another just let that wash over you. All things work together for my good. You know, we just sing that, go down the road. I love songs and all that, but sometimes I'm like, no, no music. Let's just think about that for a minute. All things work together for my good. Like he doesn't show up to me and go, wow, Jim, you really made a mistake. What are we going to do? He doesn't give us what we deserve. He doesn't have an attitude or accuse us.
but he turns even our disobedience into good for his glory. A lot of times the way we respond to each other is, what have you done to yourself? (laughs) I've done that with my boys. You know, like, what have you done? Isn't that funny how it just comes out of us? It's a reaction. What have you done? The Lord doesn't go, what have you done? (laughs) That's the whole point I'm here, because you've done this. (laughs) You did this, and now I'm going to take you out of this. That's what he does. And then he says, you that have done this to yourself, I'm not going to talk to you much about it until you're ready, but I'm here to take you out of what you've done, to get you online with me, to know the greatness of the good news, the greatness of the gospel, so you can have maximum impact in your city and in the earth and in the nations of the earth. Little old poor, broken you. I'm like, that's a great deal. Just as Jesus was going somewhere for maximum impact in Matthew 16, he's doing the same thing in Matthew 5. Here's, here, let me, let me say what I mean on that. Jesus is coming off of the, those beatitudes. Eight favor, eight things of favor. Blessed, 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 blessed. I lost count, but there's eight. And on the last one, he goes, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my namesake. Wow, all these things, Jesus, you're working in me. It's taking us in a direction. It's going to be some persecution when we actually live a heavenly life. Might be a bit resisted. But Jesus says, this is how you sustain what I was doing in Matthew 4. All the miracles, sit down. Let me tell you about favor. Let me break open to you favor as it's seen from heaven. I was talking with Amy today. You know, there's a lot of times when I pull into the parking lot and I get the front row parking space at the place. I go, hey, favor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Good. Yep, sure. I'm his son. I'm, you know, I'm good. He's going to always bless me. I've realized that with him. He's like, even when you make mistakes, I'm still going to provide for you and take care of you because I'm father. But that doesn't always mean I'm in agreement with him and living the lifestyle that Jesus lived. And he goes, you want to sustain a life of power? You want to have maximum impact? You want to be salt and light? Here's these eight things of favor that I'm calling you to. In your brokenness, in your arrogance, everything that you are, and you will have maximum impact on the earth. That's how great the good news is. Someone has apprehended us. And Jesus qualifies us to be salt and light. Something happened to you. Someone happened to you. You, You've been apprehended. I think it's in Philippians 3. Paul says, I have been apprehended. That's an aggressive statement. I just always picture that like, the Lord's like, Get over here. Ugh. Now, for those of you who are like, he's violent? No. But he's determined. He's like, I've apprehended you. Why do you think you're going to get out of my grasp so easily? You think your mishaps and your mistakes are disqualifying you? I've chosen you to have maximum impact in the earth. Not one person in this room 
has a bad deal with God. I say that because sometimes, if you're like me, we compare ourselves to each other. Especially when I go on Instagram and I see people that are living it up, man, in the islands and they're all over the world going, woo, just having the time of their life and I'm just sitting in a hot truck somewhere like, what's going on? Everybody's out partying except for Stillwell. Bouncing checks. Repenting. Asking Jesus to visit me, send revival to Sacramento. Why did you send me here? I'm freaked out. And I get on Instagram and see people riding waves and just diving with dolphins. I'm like, what's going on? What did they do, Jesus, that I didn't do? It's human tendency to do that. Where we look to the person to the left or the right and they go, man, they got all this blessing and favor of God on their life. You guys, nobody has a bad deal with Jesus. Nobody can, comp- can complain vertically tonight. That means we can't complain to him. God, you didn't do this. You didn't come through. It's amazing how temporal we get. He says, I put my spirit in you. My presence is inside of you. It's like Brent was talking a few weeks ago. We are his dwelling place. I put my spirit in. You know how I know that God's acting and working inside of me? Because I'm 50 years old. And I look at my marriage. And I love my wife more now. I'm more tender toward her than I was at 23. 23, I want her to act right and do everything right. Because, hey, we were in ministry. If we don't do it right, God's going to cut us out of the deal. And I was this mean preacher guy. You're like, you're getting on it right now. (laughs) Sorry. Every once in a while I get a little fired up on that. But I look back over my life, and you can do the same thing. And this is important that you do this, to celebrate where you are, where you've come from, because it's a result of being his dwelling place. And I know there's a lot of things that aren't adding up right now. You're in transition. You're in a remodel. Can't find your slippers, kitchen plates, food. You want to complain against God? He's like, hey, I put my spirit in you. I'm working in you. I chose you. Salt of the earth, light of the world, keys of the kingdom. He's doing it with those who have access to him. Those, that is who we are. When Jesus asked the question, who does everybody say that I am? It's because he was getting ready to open up deep desires of his heart, and he wanted to know that those guys knew who he was. I know what everybody else is saying. What do you guys say? Because I'm about to give you the keys to the kingdom that's going to unlock a lot. It's going to blow your mind. I'm about ready to give you all my authority. I'm going to be around for a little bit longer, but I'm going to breathe on you. When I breathe on you, you're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you're all going to be sitting up in a room, about 120 of you, and my spirit's going to come. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. It's going to be inside of you. But before I can do that in you, who am I to you? I call that the nearness of God, our priestly role. Access into his heart. This is why... The gospel is great news. A lot of times we hear people go, 
yeah, I was really wrong and messed up, and I got saved, and I'm better. This is way better than that. I mean, I was trash when I came to Jesus, doing drugs, other things. <laughs> and we're like, man, I was really messed up, and Jesus came, and I was just kind of wrong, and I was doing this wrong stuff. And, he, and that's just like the beginning. He actually put his spirit inside of me so that I could minister to him as a priest. That's my first calling. That's my identity forever. That's the nearness of God. He was saying, who do you say that I am? Before I give you the keys to the kingdom, I want you to know who I am because this is very important to me, Jim. Brent called it the priestly ministry, and he, he said, you know, you don't have to wear any funny hats or anything like that, but tonight I, we're going to do something different. Just kidding. <laughs> this is the original intention Another phrase that Pastor Brent used. You are a priest before the Lord. Let me give you a quick snapshot of the garden, which we all know. Garden of Eden. Adam just wasn't a farmer. A lot of times we think, okay, garden, snake, bad. That's when everything went bad. Adam just just sitting around and just like, hey, I'm growing beets and tomatoes. Give me the hoe and the rake. That wasn't the purpose. I know there was other things that were set up in that garden, but gardens in the Old Testament were known as the sanctuary. I believe that the garden was the first sanctuary of God. And what did God do with Adam? He, the Bible says that he put him in the garden. He placed him in the garden. And that whole word of putting him in there, if you study it out, it's actually the word rest and ministry. So he put Adam in the garden to find rest and to minister to the Lord, the nearness of God, to have friendship, that's why his spirit's in us. He created us so that he could be inside of us and have conversation and friendship with us. Number two is impacting the world. Number one is being near to his heart so we can be in conversation with him and have access to everything in his heart and enjoy him. Ezekiel 28 talks about the garden of God. Adam's role was to rest in that garden. Yeah, he did some work, but his identity was as a priest. Who's he doing this with? Who's he in, what's he inviting us into? That reality that we have access to his heart. It's our same role. It's interesting that he puts Adam in the garden. He goes, be fruitful, multiply, rest, Minister to me, that's number one. You are a priest forever and first. Number two, subdue the earth. Have dominion. So the Lord is like, I want you to be a priest. I want you to minister to me. And from that place, I'm giving you the keys to go unlock things, to go disciple people, to see them become transformed, receive Christ, become a disciple of Jesus. How is he going to impact? Back to Matthew 5. As the church, we're called to put Jesus on display. He gives us authority. He gives us authority 
to put Jesus on display. Not jimstillwellspeaks.com. Like, then why are you doing that, goofball? Because I had a whale dream, and, you know, that's what had happened. As the church, we're called to put Jesus on display. So if we're called to put Jesus on display, we need to live like Jesus lived, which is what he releases his grace, which goes back to my concluding question. How far can your love and grace take me into being like you, living like you? We're called to put the Father on display by loving what he loves. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that Jesus is the express image of Father. Matthew chapter, or, uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 48, Jesus says, Be perfect like my Father is perfect. To put Jesus on display as the church, we go back to the Bible verses that show us how Jesus lived that sustains a life of power. We go back to the eight blesseds. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who mourn. He's not talking about being sad. Nobody's signing up for that. And only Jesus can make those words work. Wait a minute, I'm favored when I'm sad? No, when we're longing for more of him. You walk in favor when you're mourning over how much more of him you want. You're in favor when you're poor in spirit and realize you have nothing And it's the greatness of the gospel that you don't get what you deserve. He doesn't deal with you that way. I'm favored when I recognize that. I'm favored when I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I'm favored when I'm showing mercy. I'm favored when I'm persecuted for going after all of these things and asking Jesus to release his grace. Not one of you can wake up in the morning, put the Beatitudes the blessed are you, on your mirror and accomplish them on your own. I've said this many times, and some of you have heard me say this. If you continue on in the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he says, love your enemies, bless them. Nobody wakes up in the morning wanting to do that unless the Spirit of God has taken over and apprehended you. Nobody wakes up going, I just want to love my enemies today. If we're honest, we have a hard enough time loving family members and people that like us. And he says, bless your enemies. That's my life in you. That's what I'm building the church upon. The way I live my life is the way the apostles and the prophets are saying to live your life. And that's what will impact the earth. That's what the world is crying out for. They're crying out for that demonstration. Blessed are the meek. Have you been on Facebook lately? Everybody's got the answer. I think that's going somewhere too. Nobody's got the answers for what's going on. He's leading this thing to one man. The father's like, everybody keep talking. I'm taking you all right where I want, right to my son who's got all the wisdom to fix everything on the earth. The world is looking for the church to live out the lifestyle of Jesus. Yeah, we've got power. We go, boom, you're healed. He says, but I want you to sustain this long term. It's the substance of heaven, you guys. It's the substance of heaven 
in us. We put Jesus on display. This is what transforms the nations. A few weeks ago, I was listening to a teaching on Bill Johnson. I just, love, I just like to get a few different looks on things. And Bill was talking about salt and light. I, I just love this. He was talking about being salt and light and that salt gives flavor, right? We know that. There's a couple reasons that Jesus used salt. Number one, it preserves because they understood that. But it also gives flavor. And I love the way he said it. He goes, flavor is wisdom. Releases the wisdom of God. That's what the world is looking for. It's looking for those of us that live the lifestyle of Jesus. Living under true favor. That's what Matthew 5 begins with. He says, all this power is being released. See the lines? People are still wanting me to pray for them. I'm inserting my own text there. The end of Matthew 4. Healing all kinds of sickness and diseases. It's revival power. It's power. It's Jesus on the earth, in the flesh, man. And he goes, wait a second. Everybody sit down and listen to how you sustain this life. I'm going to release the wisdom of heaven, what my father is like. He is perfect this way. You live this way and be perfect as he is perfect. Now you're saying, Jim, do I actually attain perfection? No. But we pursue it. And that's why I'm back at my final question. Oh, father, how much of your loving grace will enable me to live this lifestyle out. Because I want to be salt and light. It's interesting, that progression, favor, 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 favor. Oh, and by the way, you're going to be salt and light to the city, salt and light to the nation, salt and light to to your family, salt and light to the workplace. Because people look at you and they go, there is something of substance in you. You're just not doing this. You forgive that coworker. You walk in a degree of humility that I haven't seen. That puts Jesus on display. That is what contains a life of power. That's what keeps us in the transition when things seem chaotic. Because I'm set on living like he does. And so I ask him, I go, Father, give me grace to do this. This is the type of culture that the world's looking for, blessedness. And it only comes through the grace of God. That's the reason I was emphasizing that. You can't pull it off on your own. You can't do meekness on your own. You might have a personality that's not as loud as somebody else, but that's not meek. Meekness is a substance of heaven in you that you ask God to release through you through his grace. And I'm going to tell you, he loves to release that kind of grace on your life because it's the garments of Jesus. It's the garments of his son. He's not going to triumph over the world with people the way the world does it. It's wisdom from another world, man. (laughs) It's hard for us to do. I'll admit it. It's hard to love people. It's just hard. It's hard to stay with people in the long haul. It's like, are you still going through that? I mean, let's just be honest. But then I think about my life as if Jesus sits down with me and he goes, Jim, are you still dealing with that? Yes, Lord. He goes, I know you are, and I'm with you the whole way. I'm with you the whole way because I love you. I'm with you the whole 
way. It's what the world's looking for. The more we say yes to Jesus, we find this favor of God in our life that impacts the world, the keys of the kingdom. There's a lot of things in my life. Everybody, we can stand together. Brent, are you going to want to pray tonight, or can we get a worship team up here? What do you? How, either way here. Yeah, healing teams. Yeah, I just kind of want to call us to this place of asking the Lord to release this grace in our life. There's a lot of things in my life, and you might attest to this. There's a phrase that a few of us come up with that we say to each other sometimes, like, I don't know how I got here with Jesus. I just magooed my way into it. Remember the cartoon, Mr. Magoo? The guy with the big bottle coat glasses and you know, he'd be up on a skyscraper and he'd be walking like this and not where he's going, then he'd walk out and there'd be a board there, you know? I feel like that way with Jesus. <laughs> I feel like that's how I am with him. He's like, you're just like Mr. Magoo, Jim. Come here. I really like you. I've apprehended you. And as long as your heart is set toward me and you keep asking for my love and grace to enable you to live like I live, you are going to be salt and light. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. You are going to see bodies healed. You're going to see cities transformed. You're going to see minds change and come under the power of God where old mindsets are gone. A few weeks ago, I was in a a prayer room in Roseville. And I go over there on Monday nights and it's a good slow burn for me for six hours. I'm doing some leadership stuff with them. And I'm in the room and I just begin to talk to God about my finances. Because the Lord just began to highlight our finances, Leslie and I. And he's like, you know, I, I want you to get better at them. He didn't say it that way, but that's sometimes I'm still getting working through that. You know, because he never says, get better. You know, he just says, I really want to help you in that area. And so I'm talking to him about it, and I just start repenting of mindsets, of the way I've thought about money. And I'm like, Lord, maybe the way my mom and dad did some money, or the way my grandpappy did money, or I don't even know. I don't have any, anything on that. But by faith, I'm just going to break agreement with old habits and old mindsets. I'm in the prayer room. I'm beginning to talk to him about finances. And my son, Zach, is doing a youth meeting uh, uh, down the road. And he, he texts me, he says, Dad, somebody wants to write a check right now. Who do they make a check out to? While I'm going through talking to the Lord about, oh, our finances, I'm really lame at finances. I don't know how to balance. I'm a bad budgeter. I need Dave Ramsey. Which, by the way, we can't always Dave Ramsey ourselves out of everything. We have to go to Jesus first, even though I love Dave Ramsey. Side note. And, but the Lord says to me, he says, just because you began to ask me for grace in this area of your life, I'm showing you how faithful I am to you that I am going to continue to do abundant things for you. Folks, as soon as we enter into grace by saying, Jesus, release grace in my life to have your mindset, your lifestyle, he's like, I'm in. There's no jumping through hoops. You don't have to get tested in it. Tested is down the road. He knows who he's dealing with. He's like, wow, they're doing it, Father. Let's just, do, let's just open doors now for them and release grace upon their hearts. So Holy Spirit, we come to you tonight. If you say tonight, the Lord just been talking to you, Lord, I, I'm, I want the Lord, I'm asking him to release his grace upon my life, to live this lifestyle of Jesus. Holy Spirit, highlight it in our hearts. These things of our heart that really release maximum impact. Oh, the greatness of the gospel is that you deal with us out of love and not what we deserve.
So tonight, Lord, as we present ourselves before you, even as we pray for healing, the goodness of God released through physical healing, I'm asking that you would do something on the inner man tonight. That Ephesians 3, 16 reality, the spirit of might on the inner man that aligns us with Jesus fully. The spirit of might and power on the inner man. Let's just begin to lift our voices to him. Just all together in this room, ask for the outpouring of his grace. It's already resident in you. Come into agreement with it tonight. You're not getting something you don't have. We come into agreement with grace tonight, Lord. Thank you for the promises, Lord. Thank you for the transition. Just lift our voice to you. We ask for grace enabling. How far will your love take me? How far will your grace take me? Into putting you on display. Not because I have to. Not out of some unhealthy thing in my heart. But because I've been apprehended. And your spirit is in me. Again, let's just stay with him in this. Just ask him. God, release grace right now. Release your grace upon us, Lord. Grace that fills us to forgive. Even tonight as Susan was up here talking about maybe there's, you need to let go of somebody. And Brent mentioned it too. That's a, that's a, that's a highlight tonight. That you can't do that unless it's grace enabled. It's a great idea until your heart's activated through the Spirit of God. But there might be somebody, you might just get healed right here in your body tonight for anybody who lays a hands on, hand on you as you agree with the grace of God. And release them, forgive them. Bitterness, bitterness resentment. Just going to turn this over to Pastor Brent. But stay in this place with him right now as he just brings some direction to pray for people tonight. If you're saying, I, I just want the grace of God, I want the grace of God on my heart, I want to engage with that, we'll pray for you as well. And that's, that's it right there. So I just want, I need, need some people to come forward who would be willing to pray. Some of the prayer teams, the, uh, Joe and Anna, yeah, if you guys can stay, please come and pray, if you're willing. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Even, yeah, this is good. This is good. So, Father, Father, we just thank you for, um, wow. <laughs> thank you for the grace, Father that is on our lives. Thank you, Father, that you um, think that we are brilliant enough because of Jesus that we're actually going to walk with you into this, into the fullness of your kingdom that you are bringing to the earth. And so, Father, even tonight, we've been, we've been talking about, uh, we've been talking about miracles way beyond our own. Some of you, if you, if that's even thinking about that, if, if that just scares you to even think about praying for impossibilities and miracles, come up and get prayer for that. 
Let us just release into you that, that courage and boldness and the anointing to go and pray for the sick. Some of you need healing. And as Jim just said, some of you, there's just a, a time right now of giving God permission and access to your heart and just being real with him, just talking to him about, about what it is that's going on inside of your heart. I was, uh, this is kind of homework for all of us, like homework as in a way of life, but Jim just mentioned finances a moment ago. And, and the Lord keeps saying to me, in, in general, he's saying, you're not using your voice enough. You're, you're still silent too much of the day. Meaning, if we would just talk to him more and also declare the things that we're wanting and needing and asking. So if, you, so if it's finances, Lord, I need more wisdom. Talk to him about it and ask for it. And, and we just need to keep using our voices. We're, we're sometimes sitting and stewing and we're not using our voice to, to call in the very things he has for us just by using our voices and talking with him. So I just want to encourage you as a lifestyle, use your voice more. Speak up and talk to him. He's so ready to help you. But if you'd like prayer right now, I know sometimes it helps to have somebody with skin on just in front of you to pray, then come on up. And uh, Jim, thank you so much. We bless you. And Chris, thank you so much. Thank you so much.